A number of my friends and I took my dog along with us when we went camping. Since I was the only one who didn't have to travel back into town during the day, my dog and I simply relaxed at the campsite for the rest of the day. Throughout the course of the day, I kept hearing noises in the bushes, but I did not see anything. Even when I called him back, my dog sought to follow whatever it was that scared him away. After my friends arrived back from town, it was becoming dark when one of them got up to go to the restroom or anything else, and that's when the other person saw it. A cougar, for God's sake. A cougar had been following me and had probably only refrained from attacking me because I was accompanied by my dog at the time. My friend took aim at it but missed, and it managed to get away. Around 7 or 8 years ago, I went deer hunting in Glendive, Montana, with both my father and another hunting companion. Our camp was pitched right up against the bank of the Yellowstone River. We would normally hunt for about a week at a period, and we would hunt in areas that were completely devoid of human habitation. Nothing man created for miles every way you look. Our friend had shot a deer quite a distance away from the campsite, and my father and him had ridden on the four-wheeler to go get it. Back at the campsite, I got a fire going despite the fact that it was growing darker outside. Suddenly, I saw what seemed to be a ball of light around 75 yards distant from me, floating approximately 4 to 5 feet above the ground, and moving in an ascending and descending pattern from left to right. When I first saw the light, I couldn't tell whether it was a light in the distance or if it was as near as I thought it was. I thought maybe it was my father and my friend coming back on the four-wheeler. But I couldn't determine which it was. After then, it began approaching while continuing to move in the same rhythm as before. It wasn't long until it was just about 100 feet away, so it was almost in our camp at that point. It continued to move in the same pattern, going behind our trailer and then back out again. At this time, I was extremely creeped out and it was evident to me that it wasn't a truck or someone standing there with a torch. Nevertheless, I couldn't shake the feeling that it was something else entirely. I quickly grabbed my gun, got in the vehicle, and sat there while waiting for my father and my friend to return to the campsite. I have no idea what that was all about even to this day. I was running on the dirt roads in the mountains of Colorado to get in shape for a 10-kilometer event. I was immersed in the experience, with my headphones on and in the zone. I was walking down the side of the road when I saw something sparkling on the grass. Due to the way the sunshine was hitting it, I first mistook it for shredded pieces of plastic bag, shredded by the wind and strewn across the grass. While I was walking by, I felt something strike me on the heel of my shoe with just enough force for me to realize that something had hit me. It took me about 8 feet of running before I recognized what had happened. As soon as I turned back, I saw a newborn rattler sitting upright and gazing straight at me. Actually, he was inside of the plastic bag. Due to the fact that a young rattlesnake has very little control over the injection of its venom and the fact that my heart rate was as high as it was, I would have died within minutes. There was no way anybody could have made it down the road in time.
Linville Canyon in North Carolina is a pretty steep gorge, and the two of times I've walked or tented there, I haven't seen anybody else there. I went there for the first time to go camping, and it was an amazing experience. When I first climbed all the way down in the gorge for the first time, I parked at the trailhead, which was among a few scattered homes, and these three dogs began trekking with me. I remembered all of their names for a long time, but now the only one I can remember off the top of my head is Aggie. Anyway, I went down the brushy ridge route for maybe 10 miles, although I'm not really sure. Sweet Pet stood by my side during the whole process. We made our way down to the river, which turned out to be a shallow river with low water levels, more akin to an extremely large creek. There were several huge trees there, some of which were down and decaying, and it sort of made me think of Skill Island from King Kong. Anyway, I started to become aware of how lonely it was down there by myself, or at least how lonely it made me feel, how rapidly the sun was going to set over the lip of the canyon, and how early it was. I stripped down to my compression shorts and forded the river while carrying my bag on my head. The dogs kind of waited on the other side, looking desolate and as like they would follow. Concerned that they may get separated from their owner, who in turn may become concerned. I did my best to shout at them and hurl some pebbles in their approximate direction, but my motivation wasn't there for any of those things. It became dark and freezing outside quite quickly. Climbed up the other face, and the dogs immediately followed. What are you going to do? On the western side of the gorge, it was discovered that there was not a single level area suitable for a camping spot everywhere. Finally located a teeny tiny place on a slope that other people had previously occupied, set up the tent, and prepared some dinner. Wow, that was very creepy. Finally turned in for the night with Aggie and the rest of the gang, all of us sleeping in a triangle formation around my tent. In the middle of the night, I was startled awake by an explosion caused by a dog. It's like a switch was flipped, and all of a sudden the dogs are up and going berserk, barking like crazy. Everything was so noisy, and it took place so unexpectedly. I had no idea what the heck was going on when all of a sudden I was placed in the DEFCON 1 status. After what seemed like an eternity, I suddenly hear something very large smashing through the tangled undergrowth. It was probably simply a black bear, but holy hell the whole thing was crazy. It was bad enough that the dogs were panicking, but things might have been much, much worse if they hadn't been there. Oh, how fortunate it was for me to have those dogs there. Let me tell you, it was a long time before I was able to go back to sleep, despite the fact that the noise eventually subsided and the dogs calmed down. Hiked around the area the next morning. Absolutely fantastic location, not frightening in the least. When it was daylight. After some while, I started to feel concerned about the dogs being hungry and disoriented, tried softening up some jerky and giving it to them, but, not making this up, they seemed to only eat it out of politeness. But I have to admit, there was a little part of me that was still a little bit unnerved by the night before, and I was sort of glad that I was able to cut my vacation short. When I got back to the trailhead, I noticed a message on my vehicle that said, Hey, my dogs probably went with you. If they don't come back with you, can you let me know? 
I said my goodbyes to those three incredible canine companions. I had a conversation with someone down the road, and I learned that that region of LG is supposedly well known for having a large number of wood rattlers. The fact that there were a lot of them and I wasn't aware of it, and the route is tiny and the undergrowth is dense, brought a little bit of additional creepiness to the entire event, but I'm very accustomed to them and I'm not scared of them, so that's not to say that I'm terrified of them. Even though I wasn't in any immediate danger, it still managed to scare the hell out of me. We had set up our tents in a sandy area in Queensland, Australia, where we were camping. We reasoned that the many holes that were dug across the sand must have served as homes for the crabs that were present throughout the area. We were at a loss for why some of these holes were larger than the size of a fist, but there were many of them. Some type of rodent maybe? After a few nights have passed, I find that I have to wake up in the middle of the night to urinate. I grab a flashlight, fumble my way into the bushes, and then piss while leaning against a tree. When I was about halfway through, I became aware that there was a spider next to my palm that was about 6 inches long and had successfully blended in with the tree. That's no big deal, you become accustomed to things like that over time, so when it happens, I simply take my hand off the handle and watch television while I urinate. Whether this individual is able to conceal himself with such skill, it makes me question if there are more individuals like him that I just have not seen. If I were to claim there was a spider on the tree that was within arm's reach on my right, it would not offer a true image of the situation. So I shine my light on the tree. One might find a spider everywhere over the tree. The distance between its legs was nearly as wide as a shoulder. It had legs that went around the tree to hold either side, and it was simply sitting there in the shadows staring me over its shoulder. Because it was so near, I could have spun around 90 degrees, directed my aim upwards at head height, and peed on it. The only reason I didn't scream was because I was trying to avoid any unexpected movement or loud sounds. That was the only reason. I retreat inside my shelter and lie down, staring out into the distance while maintaining complete stillness. When my wife inquires as to what's wrong, I tell her that I don't want to discuss it, and she expresses that she has no interest in hearing the details. After we had gone, I did some research to find out what it was and showed her some photographs online. She expressed her appreciation that I had waited until after we had left to bring it up. We believe that we have solved the mystery of what was residing in those tunnels under us when the sun was. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Up. I attempted to Google it in order to get an answer for Reddit. According to Wikipedia, enormous huntsmans may grow to be as large as a dinner plate, however this measurement was taken prior to the animal extending out to hold the sides of a tree. I looked everywhere, but I couldn't find any photographs that did it justice. There are some pictures of what appear to be pet spiders, but the size of those spiders does not compare to the size of the one I saw in the wild. As a result, I do not know whether the one I saw in the wild was a freak Andre the giant of spiders or whether they simply grow larger in the wild than they do in captivity. When I was 17, two buddies and I went hiking for three days in the mountains. For the purpose of the tale, I'm going to refer to these two guys as Doug and Andre. Doug was a year or two younger than me and a freshman on the football team when we were both in high school kid who is eager to get starting on the trek and is thrilled about doing so. Andre was 22 years old, in a committed relationship, and stood 6 feet 8 inches tall, so he was more than capable of guarding us from any wild animals we may come across on our journey. About 3.5 miles into the hike, we made the decision to set up camp on top of a rocky overlook, which is definitely against the rules. We came to the conclusion that this would be the best location for our base camp, and during the next several days, we want to trek some of the neighboring loop routes. Every experienced hiker understands how important it is to have access to clean water when on the trail. Unfortunately for us, the source that was closest to our location ended up being roughly a 15-minute walk down the steep road that we had trekked up to get to our location. Even more bad than that, however, was the fact that this source was nothing more than a trickle in the midst of the summer, and this meant that in order to fill our bottles, you would have to wait quite a long for them to fill up completely. Even if it wasn't the worst thing that could have happened, it made collecting water much more time-consuming and laborious. After the sun had gone down, it was time for one of us to investigate the water source that we were using. Andre shone a lot of bravery when he offered to walk down to the source of our water and fill up our bottles. Doug and I carried on with the process of preparing our camping spot and clearing away the remains of our meal. Andre arrived back at camp not even five minutes later, sprinting full pace the whole way. He is heaving, gasping for air, and shaken to the core with fear. I asked him what it was that worried him so much because I was afraid of the worst-case scenario, after all, what else could frighten a half-giant like Andre? He spoke in a tense manner and said, I spotted a snake. A snake? You're frightened of a snake, are you? I couldn't help but chuckle at the image of such a large man being scared of something so little and probably not dangerous. He said that he would not go back to the water source by himself and made it a demand that Doug and I accompany him when he did so. Naturally, we cooperated with their request, and we made the relatively short journey down the mountain to the water source in order to fill up our bottles. On the drive home, 
Since I was still amused by his infantile phobia of snakes, I began to make fun of him for being so terrified of snakes. I teased him about being so afraid of snakes. When we were getting closer to the campsite, I started to say, there's absolutely no reason to be afraid of. And right as I was going to say, snakes, my foot almost landed on a coiled up copper head, which caused me to jump out of my skin and instead scream, snakes. Like a little girl. When we finally reached the campsite, I finished saying, there's absolutely no reason to be afraid of. I then realized why Andre was so terrified of snakes in the dark, which resulted in his being the focus of ridicule for the remainder of the evening. Now here's where things start to get bizarre, and this is something that, to this day, I still have no idea how to explain. On that particular evening, after the shenanigans with the snakes and the water supply, we eventually calmed down enough to get some sleep on the overlook. There was no tent, just sleeping bags and mats laid out on a rock that was approximately 200 feet above the ground. We were camped around 20 feet from the edge of the forest, and from where we were standing, it seemed like the woodland was quite densely shaded. Even though the overlook was illuminated by the moon, we had little problem discerning what was going on in our surroundings. In spite of this, at about 12.30 in the evening, just as we are beginning to nod asleep, I am startled awake by a loud yelping or yelling sound emanating from the surrounding forest. There was no echoey sound, but there was a prompt response coming from the valley below. Whatever it was, there were two of them, and this rock had us trapped between them. You can probably understand how startling this noise was for me, Doug, and Andre. I asked the boys in a hushed whisper, what was it? And Andre's reaction, which was extremely rapid and terrified, was that it's nothing, maybe a coyote. I wasn't really certain, but one thing was for certain, I didn't want to be the one who found out. The remainder of the night was spent in torment, but I managed to get a few hours of sleep in the end. The next morning, there was no trace of whatever it may have been, and there were no other campers in the immediate area. To this day, I have no idea how to solve the problem. I'm aware that different creatures create a wide variety of peculiar sounds at different times of the day and night, but that particular sound has stayed with me for a very long time as one of the most peculiar noises I've ever heard in the forest. This summer I went on my very first alpine backpacking trip that was serious. We hiked up to the summit of Mount Coakley on Vancouver Island and set up camp right at the summit of the mountain. My air mattress burst, so I didn't get nearly as much sleep as I needed that night. I got out of bed at around midnight to take some photographs of the stars, and then I went back to sleep. As I drifted in and out of awareness, it was 3 in the morning when I became certain that I heard voices. A distance of around 10 feet from our tent. The climb of Mount Coakley is a difficult scramble that, even during the sunlight, is fraught with significant risk. It was one of those situations in which you just had to lie there completely motionless and pray that you wouldn't pass out. This is not the type of spot where the locals visit to consume mushrooms and gaze at the skies. A hike is a commitment that has to be made. It takes a trip of around one hour to go to the metropolis that is the closest, which is Port Alberni. 
It is necessary to navigate unmarked logging roads in order to reach a defunct ski slope, and once you are there, the climb is between between difficult and really difficult. On the other hand, there were voices. From the highest point. This could only be reached by walking down the narrow strip of ground on which our tent was set up. There is no alternative route that can be used to reach the peak where the radio towers are located. Although it wasn't quite on the same level as a bear attack or a madman holding a machete, that certainly got the blood pumping. When we woke up, there was no evidence of any other people other than some tens who were about a thousand feet below us, which required about an hour and a half of daylight trekking due to the difficulty of the terrain, near the edge of the lake. When I was 14 years old, my cousin Dave, who was then 16, and my buddy Rick, who was then 17, were camping in Rick's lawn one night. We were dealing with a fire while doing a significant amount of nothing else. No drinking or anything. At one point, we see what seems to be a shooting star or something else moving across the sky slowly. It proceeded in a zigzag path from right to left in a line, but it did so at an exceeding when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Snail's pace. From where we were standing, it seemed to be roughly the size of a star. Hence, it was not very huge but was undeniably apparent. We were probably there for 15 to 20 minutes trying to figure out what it was as we watched it. It was at a height that made it impossible for it to be an airplane or anything else. Typically, shooting stars travel at a very high speed. We had no way of knowing for sure, although it was possible that it was a faraway comet. We may have brushed it off as something else, but then it came to a complete halt. As soon as it occurred, we began to lose our minds. When it began traveling in the other direction, we completely lost it. It didn't go very far in the other direction, to the right, but it did halt once again and remained still there for about a minute. Then all of a sudden, there was a brief burst of light, and after that, it vanished. I have no clue what it might have been, but up until it changed directions, I was willing to believe practically any hypothesis about what it may have been. That is in no way acceptable. During the night in Alaska, a grizzly bear stepped on the head of my companion as we were sleeping. During our float trip in Alaska, our campsite was on a gravel bar, and we remained there for many days. It was the middle of the night, and our buddy Harold was sleeping in the other tent while my dad and I were in the first tent. We are roused from our sleep by his yelling, bear bear. After a moment of confusion, we open the tent door to have a peek outside. And sure enough, there is a large grizzly bear casually wandering away from us down the gravel bar. It seems that the bear had an inquisitive nature, which is really one of the traits that makes bears the most deadly, and it was investigating our tents. It placed its paw on the peak of Harold's tent, and then it slid down and landed directly on his face. Fortunately, it was only able to bend a couple of the poles before continuing on its path but it was certainly a startling way to be awakened. Every night, the tents are now pitched next to one another. Another time, during the middle of the journey, a severe windstorm sprang up and caused his tent to fly over the river, where it landed safely in a stand of willows. That was one sturdy piece of camping equipment. In the past, my family had 80 acres of piney forests in rural Arkansas that had not been developed, we called it the Tick Farm. During one of my spring breaks from college, a buddy of mine and I made the decision to go camping for a few days. No one else knew we were going up there but my parents, they were the only ones who were informed. After establishing camp and exploring the surrounding area, which included a few natural springs, an ancient abandoned outdoor church, and some hunter stands from the deer leases, we eventually erected the tent and went to sleep. Until around 10 o'clock at night, when a set of headlights inched their way up the scarcely existent logging track we drove in on. As soon as we emerged from the tent, the door of the vehicle was already open. Someone whose headlights were shining directly in my eyes questioned me, are you Mary Lou's boy? But I didn't see him. I said that I was, and he continued by saying, well, she informed me you lads were up here, and I thought you needed to know a couple were discovered killed only a few miles down the creek there, I said that I was. 
After that, he walked away. So, after a brief debate, we came to the conclusion that one of a limited number of possible outcomes would take place. We should not be concerned about anything since the situation will be resolved successfully. Someone with a mental illness was on the loose in the woods, and they intended to kill us. People living in rural Arkansas who were terrified and seeking for someone to blame for the killings would hunt for two college students with long hair and a hippie appearance and kill us. In our haste to bring everything to a satisfactory conclusion, we allowed ourselves to be falsely accused of the murders and were quite familiar with the Arkansas legal system. Therefore, it took us less than 15 minutes to pack everything and be on the road to go home. I once had a lover who was a wonderful diamond, and we went camping together. Around 3 in the morning, I was awakened by the sound of heavy breathing. My entire body froze. The sound seemed to be emanating from just outside the tent, and it was giving off the impression that Darth Vader was going to make an appearance. My partner began laughing when I woke him up with the fear that we were going to be devoured by a grizzly bear. Despite the fact that we were camping in Kansas and it was very improbable that a bear would be there. He had forgotten some hot dogs on my side of the tent, and he thought it would be humorous to attract some nocturnal creatures so that they might startle me in the middle of the night. Our unexpected guest turned out to be a huge raccoon. I was unable to get any rest for the remainder of the night since he did not enter the tent. A number of years ago, when I was living in Glacier, I went camping with a few of my roommates. Everything was going swimmingly well, it was September, and the fields and mountains were both stunning. We were on our third night when we rode into camp a little bit after the sun had set, but we still managed to cook up some beans and rice before heading to bed. I slept like a baby. Right up until the middle of the night arrives. I was jolted awake by sneezing and scratching sounds coming from outside the tent. My first thought is, not a huge deal, followed by the thought, we kept all of the food correctly, and they'll go away. We were a seasoned trio when it came to backpacking. Why they didn't go away. It moved closer and closer until it was right up against my sleeping bag at the edge of the tent. It was smelling my arm and clawing at the tent at the same time. I did not want to move, but I did want to warn my companions. Nevertheless, when I opened my lips to speak, I found that I was unable to form any words. I could not move a muscle, first and only sleep paralysis. The only thing that came out was a raspy, dry breath. Whatever it was continued to exert force. And not just a little prod, but I felt like I was being turned nearly entirely onto my side. I was an EMT active, and athletic before, and I've never before experienced feeling so helpless. Then, without any more ado, it continued on its way past the tent, scratching the ground and smelling its way towards the forest. I was still immobilized and either went back to sleep or passed out cold. I don't remember which. The most terrifying event I've ever had. When my buddy and I were camping in Glacier National Park in August of this year, we were surprised to see a bear just outside our tent. 
He jolted me awake and then inquired about the next step we should take. I inquired whether we had a gun. He said no. After that, I spoke to him about whether or not we had any bear spray. He said no. I advised him to go back to sleep since there was nothing we could do in the event that a bear chose to tear up our tent and devour us, and I wanted to be well rested in order to go on the trek that we had planned for the following morning. During that trek, it dawned on me how terrifying the situation ought to have been. This past summer I went house boating with a group of about 10 people and we were enjoying a fire on the beach when all of a sudden I became aware of a sound or feeling in my mind that gave the impression that it was emanating from numerous locations. Everyone let out a collective WTF, and then about one minute later, everyone was back inside the houseboat getting ready for bed. The catch was that I was sampling some mushrooms in preparation for the next evening, only took about 1.5 grams of cubes. After that, I remained up by myself for another three hours, staring at the sky and waiting for this entity or whatever you want to call it to return, but, it never did. The strange thing was that everyone seemed like they had their minds controlled, either out of fear or because of extraterrestrials. I can't say for sure, but it seems like nobody even wanted to bring up the event for the entire weekend. A trek along the Capitol Trail, beginning in Williamsburg and ending in Richmond, with overnight camping and bicycle travel. When night falls, the woods take on a sinister air. It fluctuates from being a beautiful and sunny day with air so delicious you can practically taste it and picturesque farms and old woodlands to being secluded and totally dark, with reminders of its days when it was the center of the South. I have no doubt that there were fatalities in the area in days gone by. It's also strange how frightening a few gargoyles can be when they're placed in the midst of a forest. I really regret not having taken any pictures. Despite this, there was nothing really frightening that occurred, I suppose it was simply the mood. I was sleeping in an open-faced, lean-to-style shelter on day 10 of a 200-mile trip on the Appalachian Trail. Imagine that all you have are some floorboards, a roof, and a rear wall. Letting the sounds of nature wash over you as you sleep. My goal for that day was to complete a trek that was 20 miles long, so I made sure to have an early start. My alarm goes off at 5.45, but when I peek outside, it's still dark, so I push the snooze button. My alarm goes off at 5.54, there is a hint of light, I ignore it and go back to sleep. At 6.03, the alarm goes off, and there is a black blob approximately 15 feet front of me near the kitchen table in front of the shelter. It is roughly the size of a small refrigerator. Nothing moves. What the hell is that? Blob moves. I, holybear.exe is what it is. Immediate transition from lying down to standing in 0.05 seconds while being encased in my mummy sleeping bag the whole time. I let out a holy F bear shout. The F, said the bear. I'm getting out of here. On the same day, I observed four additional bears along the route. That night, to put it mildly, I did not have a restful sleep at all.
A few of my close friends and I had the idea a few summers ago to ride our bicycles over the border into Holland and set up camp in the forest there. We located a clearing where we could pitch our three tents, and we lit a fire in the midst of the circle. We definitely picked up some marijuana while we were in Holland, and that night all of us smoked a bunch of it. By the end of the night, we were very stoned, with the exception of one buddy who stuck to drinking beer the whole time. After we had all settled inside our own tents, I became aware of the presence of roaring nearby. I went into a panic and alerted the person who was sharing my tent with me, and he confirmed that he had heard it as well. At this time, we began to feel uneasy and called out to the others, asking whether they had heard it as well, it turned out that they had. The strange sounds continue, but they are eventually followed by a bizarre splashing sound and then someone saying hell inside one of the other tents. It turned out that the intoxicated man was merely throwing up 15 beers, which was humorous for us but still terrifying for the other person whose tent he shared. The experience of camping inherently produces a mood that is unexplainable and somewhat unsettling, and it has the potential to become all-consuming. The majority of individuals find the situation to be somewhat peculiar since you are cut off from the rest of society and, for a fleeting time in your life, you are nearly entirely by yourself. My thoughts are free to roam, both logically and illogically, when I have so much time on my hands. Rationally, but in a way that is actually terrifying, I often think about the past, my errors, the possibilities I lost out on, and my regrets. People who are no longer with me. My life. The sensation of being in the woods is exactly the same as being in a busy metropolis. After then, the thought starts to gently make its way into my head. The deafening hush that pervaded everything. Completely dark with just a thin layer of plastic acting as a barrier between you and the darkness. A noise. There is the impression that something or someone is present. It's not the noise itself that keeps me awake at night, rather, it's the unknown nature of what's going on around me. Seeing a spider when you first open your eyes in the morning is one of the most unsettling things that can happen, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels this way. We were doing a road trip across the interior of Australia at the time. As a result of the flood, many of the main highways were inaccessible, and we were forced to use alternative routes that consisted of smaller paths. We were around 300 kilometers away from the closest town, and as it was approaching dark, we made the decision to set up camp approximately 300 meters off the road rather to risk being lost or injured while driving on strange roads at night. We built a bonfire, had a beverage, and then got comfortable for the night. We were entirely alone and felt completely secure since there was no traffic in the area. Later on in the dark, a vehicle passed by, noticed our campfire, and began to slow down as it approached. We didn't give it much attention until they stopped doing it. They turned off their headlights and began backing up without their lights on. We were able to put out the fire and get ourselves and everyone else out of there as fast as we could. I was camping at a campground with my dad, 
stepmother and her friends and family. One night I was awoken by a huge crack of thunder, literally so loud I woke up thinking the world was ending, and pouring rain. I was soaked and scared as hell and the zipper to my tent was messed up and I was calling for my dad when my stepmom's cousin got me out and put me in his wife's car with the other kids that were camping with us. I thought we were having a hurricane so I was worried about my dad being hurt or something but it turns out he was passed out in his tent which was soaked. Many years ago, I was part of a girls activity group designed to get girls interested in sports and dance, and the last activity we did was a camping trip. We were staying up telling scary stories and this one girl told a story of some campers who woke up to find half the tent had collapsed and that everyone who had been laying under that half had disappeared, but were later found dead hanging from a bridge. The next morning we all woke up to screams. Half the tent had collapsed. Everyone was okay and accounted for, but it was terrifying for a bunch of preteen girls out in the woods who had been telling scary stories all night. Nothing spooky or paranormal, but when I was 16 I worked in a summer forestry program that involved working in random sustainable resources owned areas as pretty much their little worker. We were doing train clearing and cleaning in a provincial park in northern Alberta when one of my buddies found a bag of roaches. I had smoked pot on one previous occasion, but I hadn't gotten very high. Nightfall came and me, buddy, and a handful of the crew made a chillum and smoked that bag of roaches, when the guys decided they were going to walk to the campground store for some food. I was starting to feel a lot more stone than I had the first time I'd smoked, so I decided to stay back. One of the guys, a huge feller named Isaiah, if you see this bud, props, lent me his MP3 player with something starting to play and just said listen to this. To clarify, where they had left me was an abandoned campsite, way off to the edge of the developed area. It was a maybe 30 feet clearing with a picnic table in the middle and 100 feet spruce trees surrounding. It was a clear night, and the Milky Way was quite visible if one was to lay down on the picnic table. Which is exactly what I did. Isaiah and the crew had left me in the middle of the forest, listening to Jim Morrison's An American Prayer while being truly stoned for the first time. Holy yes that was an experience. I'll never look at the forest or the night sky the same, but again it's not in a spooky sense. The wonderment, man. The wonderment. One time I was fishing at night at a lake with a couple of friends, we are there chilling, eating shrooms and having fun when suddenly we hear a thump in the distance, right up the hill. All of us went silent, we couldn't really pinpoint where it came from, we just started into the dark in the general direction, after a couple of minutes in silence we resumed eventually fishing and having fun although a little bit creeped out, it was way past midnight, a couple of minutes passed, when we hear it again, this time louder, as if something hard struck a tree, all of us turned around and that's when we saw it, a pale, naked figure, hunched over in the tree line, staring at us. It was there, completely still, watching us, then it turned around got on all fours and disappeared in the brushes, we immediately packed up and got the hell out of there. 
I am still not sure what we saw that night but overall I don't like to be reminded of it. We never went fishing again and never talked about it. Haven't eaten shrooms either since then. My friend and I met her mother at a campground one weekend. It was a state park on Lake Ontario so we hiked out for a swim. We returned to the cabin which was on a dead-end road in the park. A family was camping up the road, mom, dad, daughters and daughter's friends. The father at one point walked down to our camp and said something odd, I don't remember exactly what he said since it was many years ago. My friend, her mom and I had dinner then laid out bathing suits out to dry along with our towels and clothes that got damp hiking back from the lake. We made s'mores and planned for the next day. Breakfast, kayaking, beach then drive home. The next morning after breakfast I go to get my bathing suit off the fence where I had hung it to dry. It's gone but my towel and clothes are still there. I ask my friend if she or her mother moved them and she said no. My friend had hung her suit up on a hook on the outside of the cabin. She goes to grab it as I think my suit had blown away in the night. Her suit is gone too. We had no proof but we were all damn sure it was the father camping down the street from the day before. Friend's mom eventually walks over. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...over to talk to him about in more of an informative way rather than accusatory. She had a big knife in her belt the whole time too. He never did admit to it, but I know the guy took our suits in the night. I still think about that family and the creep that's in their lives. My dad is part of the FDNY, so every year him and his firefighter friends have a camp out on Hunter Mountain in the Catskills. It's not real camping, because we cook lots of food and watch movies on a projector. There's like a pavilion and pre-positioned campsites, but it's still pretty cool. It's kind of like the good life outdoors. The only thing missing is Wi-Fi, because all of the trees block out the cell signals. I've gone with my dad every year since I could read, walk and talk, so around two years old was my first trip. I'm 14 now, so let's say about 11 years of camping since I turned 14 after this year's trip. I distinctly remember when this event happened because my sister, who is two years younger than me was there, but my brother, who is four years younger was not. Let's say either 2006 or 2007. We check into the camp every year at the toll booth at the front, where these state troopers validate your reservation. After we make it past the first checkpoint, the second checkpoint is where you fill out the deposits on supplies and final forms, nothing big, we go through the woods towards our campground. Suddenly, four black bears, including two cubs, sprint across the street, narrowly missing our minivan by about two and a half feet. Complete shock is how we react. 
Keep in mind this is the only time I've ever seen a bear there in 12 years. My dad tells the state troopers at the second checkpoint about this incident, which is a strange occurrence because bears normally seclude themselves from humans, especially when with cubs. There are deer and moose in the state park, but the bears in the Catskills actually have a more herbivorous-based diet, so eating a larger animal like a deer is rare. The officers say that this isn't the first incident where bears acted strange, and they would investigate it. It turns out, an old lady living in one of the houses in the Catskills area was feeding the bears raw meat and fruit, this next part is disgusting. The woman died, and the bears got into her home and ate her corpse, gag. The state troopers investigated and found bears tearing up her house. The woman was literally a skeleton at this point, as she was eaten over a year before. The officers called the FBI, the SWAT team and the EPA. Her bears were tranquilized and spread out across upstate New York, so they couldn't regroup and ransack another house. Nobody moved into her house after the standoff for obvious reasons, and we pass it by every July when we go camping. The paint is chipped off and the house is covered in bear claw marks. I still get the chills when we drive by the place. The Nidek had to shoot this bear because the woman wouldn't stop feeding it. It was a mature mother black bear with three cubs and a mate. In a sick sense of karma, the woman kind of deserved it.